It's just like a recipe for not a fun time. Learn how to say no if you already know, like you have a full plate. Now when I get reached out, it's easier for me to be like, hey, I can't. Because I say no, that means I could produce higher quality work on this full-time job that I enjoy. And I could relax without feeling guilty. Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Ulises Avarado Yamas. He is a Chicano artist working as a visual development artist at Nickelodeon. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Sure. Hi, my name is Uli. Yeah, I am a visual development artist at Nick, but I mostly do character work right now. So I got brought in as a generalist, but kind of do character stuff. I went to school at SGSU, San Jose State University as an animation illustration major. I was roommates with Raymundo Mendoza Landa. <laughs> And really good friends with Yuki. Yeah, uh, so I was in school for like six years. Really long time, but luckily it was a state school. So like money wasn't like a super issue because I was able to get financial aid, Mm -hmm. which helped a ton. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed my time at school. And I feel like because of the people I met there, it led me to where I am currently, which is in L.A. at a guild job. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. The way we like to start off on Stray Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them and let us know why. Okay, let's do it. I'll start us off with the first question. Which power-wielding family would you rather be a part of? The Parge from The Incredibles or the Madrigals from Encanto? Ooh... I feel like The Incredibles has, like, their powers are more, like, superhero, where the family of Encantos are more, like, quirky, like, mm-hmm. being able to predict the future, right? That's, uh, what's his name? Bruno. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyways, I, so I feel like having, like, a superpower like The Incredibles, I mean, for me, I would always imagine myself, like, I wish I could teleport. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, I pick The Incredibles. Super- Wait, what's the question? Like, if i rather have their powers... Know which power ruling family would you rather be a part of but i would assume that you would have a power either family you chose mm-hmm. but yeah you're a part of a family that has powers well i mean obviously i think i relate a little bit more to like the encanto family mm. but if i could have the ability to like teleport i feel like that would be more possible if i was in the incredibles family <laughs> You're, like, imagining yourself more in that scenario. That makes sense. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I'll be the Mexican adopted child (laughs) (laughs) in that family. (laughs) What do you think, Ray? I think Uli brings up a good point because when you really think about it, I feel like majority of the Incredibles have, like, these powers that are more, like, physical that can actually do some physical damage. Like, you know, Violet is able to kind of make these little orbs and, like, invisibility and, like, these push force fields. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dash with his super speed. Yeah. Bob with his super strength and elasticity. Mm -hmm. I feel like the only one with real physical strength and Encanto or any physical kind of power is Luisa. Yeah. Because, again, she also has the thing where she could pick up stuff. But, like, Camilo can just transform... Which could be helpful in a battle, but like <laughs> Dolores just uh, super hearing. Yeah. Which not really anything physical. Yeah. The ability to make a food that can heal you. So like just- you're thinking about like the actual implications of you being a superhero and like going out and doing superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm seeing it from Uli said that how he's probably viewing it. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to be a hero, you'd probably be able to do it more with if you're in the Incredible family versus the Encanto family. Okay, yeah. If you want to be a superhero, yeah. It's like that's what it's built around right yeah yeah also if you're like in the Encanto family like your powers like rely on a candle <laughs> right but I don't know if I'm adopted like do I even have superpowers you, you, you'll have powers okay yeah like in the scenario you have superpowers period okay yeah ultimately I think I would still go with the Encanto okay be part of the magicals just because I would love to live in a magical house Ooh. and also I would get a kick-ass room like, depending on what my power would be. Also, the house is magical and it cleans itself. Ooh, uh, 
Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, yeah, like, if I have a power where I can talk to animals like Antonio, like, I'm basically even living in a freaking forest. That's my Dude, room. Dude, okay. Yeah. Again, but that also depends how cool my power is. If my power, unfortunately, sucks like Bruno's, I'm living in a sand tower. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that too. But hopefully I get a cool power. Mm. That's a really good point. I would love, like, a forest room. <laughs> Imagine just living in a cool house with a room that's, like, made to be a part of, like, the thing that you love or, like... You know, it's kind of like an expression of things that like those people inherently already want to do. Like Dolores, like she has super hearing, but that's because she loves to gossip. Mm. So like she hears all of the gossip in town and it's just sort of like an amplification of like a personality trait she already had. Mm, interesting. Like that's what I think like a lot of the Madrigal's like powers like stem from or whatever. Mm. It's sort of like mm-hmm. an outward like a uh, manifestation of some character trait, you know, mm-hmm. that they like embody or whatever. Yeah. So it would be like specific to you. Yeah. I'm curious what that would be for me. <laughs> yeah. I also like... Uh, this is a hard one because either way you get like cool superpowers mm-hmm. i do kind of like the idea of living in the like forest yeah i know i know <laughs> yeah i'm surprised okay wait actually i'm also surprised though because ray usually goes for whatever has the most technology and if you lived with like the cars <laughs> you would be in uh well they're like in the- they're like the 1950s 1960s yeah yeah so you would be like in modern society of the 50s Oof. yeah Oof. <laughs> i don't know what's- <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think that was a good time for the people of color. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, can I can I switch mine to Encanto? Uh, <laughs> Though also like in The Incredibles, like because it's just like a world full of superheroes. Like your family's not the only people with superpowers. Oh, that's true. So it's also kind of nice being like you know they have a family friend like Frozone mm-hmm. who's like. Oh, even though like my family is super, it's not like the only thing that is stressing us is being super. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we have other like friends or people we can talk to who are also supers. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, that's true. I might still go with the Encanto though. Yeah, but I think, I don't know. I, I didn't <laughs> think about it, about like you getting your own like magic room and stuff. Mm. I feel like, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that like my superpower is like not lame. But yeah, I switched my answer once again to Encanto. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm like easily persuaded. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. Let's do it. Who would you rather have as a sibling? Candace from Phineas and Ferb as your older sister or DW from Arthur as your younger sister? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about DW. I never really grew up watching Arthur. Oh, really? Mm-mm, okay. From what I remember, she's like kind of annoying. Yeah, she's kind of like a bratty little sister. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll go with, uh, what's her name, Dee Dee? Candace or DW? DW. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he literally just said her name and yeah. like, wait, what's her name again? Sorry, Dee Dee? I was thinking. DW, mostly because I'm the oldest in my family and mm. it's kind of hard to imagine having an older sister when I had two little sisters mm. who were annoying and we're like five years apart. So like, uh, okay. I felt like it was more of a like a more leaning towards like kid parent relationship versus like sibling sibling just because like five years is kind mm. of a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I feel like that's a bit more relatable and I'd have DW instead of Candace. Mm-hmm. Also like I wouldn't want someone to like constantly be like snitching on me that I do stuff. So <laughs> That's true. That's a yeah. good point. No one likes a narc. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm sure she's cool. I totally get you. I think I would make the same decision. Mm. I think I would also choose DW just because I'm also the older sibling and I don't know how I feel about that kind of dynamic change for me, having somebody older than me. Mm-hmm. I like being the older sibling, even though it can sometimes be difficult being the older sibling. Mm. But yeah, I think I can deal with annoying sisters. Yeah. I've had to. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe for the same reason I would go with Candace because I'm the younger sibling. I'm the younger sibling, but I consider myself like the youngest because mm. it was my brother and we had a cousin who was like in between our age. Mm. And then there was me. So I'm like the youngest. I like consider my cousin almost like our sibling because mm-hmm. we just like did everything mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So I'm like used to being the youngest and I never really got up into a whole lot of trouble. So I feel like even if Candace was like trying to snitch on me, <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know, like I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I feel pretty confident in my ability to lie. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like again, even though Candy's constantly snitching on you, she's never ever successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Phineas and Ferb always get away with it. Yeah. She's also like really funny. Like I uh, would like to have Candace as an older sister because I just would think that she's like really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Like loud personality. Yeah. But see, that's also interesting to me that we all kind of stuck to our familiar dynamics. When you're the younger sibling, I was assuming there was never a point you wanted to be the older sibling growing up. Mm, a little bit, I guess. Like, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. If, like, I mean, I have younger cousins and I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be neat. But I was never like considered like a responsible one in my family. Mm. <laughs> so I think if like people had viewed me as somebody like worthy of like being trusted as like an older sibling or like responsible person, maybe I would feel more inclined. But like, you know, like nobody's ever asked me to like be in that role. So I'm like, yeah, I guess I won't. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never wanted to be a younger sibling, mm. but I did always want a brother. I thought it would be cool to have a brother, <laughs> but it is what it is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine now. <laughs> Great answers. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks so much for playing in between with us. Yeah, awesome answers. If you enjoyed today's in between questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media. So, yeah, without further ado, I guess something I kind of want to mention earlier on, like Uli said in his intro, he's good friends with Yuki. Uh, we lived together for like four years. Yeah, we lived together for four years. That's insane. Yeah. That's a good amount of time. I think, technically, right now, I've lived longer with you than I have my own wife. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. At this point. At this point. It'll get longer with your wife, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would say I'm your second <laughs> wife or something like that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and I've known Yugi for, like, basically, the, I feel... Were we close first year? Uh, Well, I at least met you in my first year. So, we weren't, like, super, super close, but I was always, like... Dude, Uli's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got close eventually, but yeah, I've known Yuki for a long mm-hmm. time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's great to finally have you on the podcast. I feel like you're one of our closest friends, so it's kind of strange that we haven't had you on, that you weren't one of the first ones on, and it took this long to have you on. But the reason why is because for those that don't know, Uli was one of our dummy episodes. So he, <laughs> he was one of the ones that we tested out the format on. And after that, we actually did bring him on like a few episodes later but he screwed up his audio recording <laughs> there's so many yeah. technical issues yeah I think, like multiple times yeah i think we like recorded like an hour long podcast it was and like then, the wrong like, format yeah the audio was like messed up yeah yeah it was the wrong format it captured our audio as well so it would have been a hell of a nightmare to edit and yeah. it was like you know what we're not gonna post this so let's give some breathing room before you bring you on that way it doesn't sound like repetitive and hopefully like mm-hmm. you have more stuff to talk about when we bring you back so finally bringing you back you're finally here glad to have you on yay and with that being said uli could you tell us what you do as a visual development artist on max and the midnights at nickelodeon yeah well i just want to start off by saying i'm happy to do this again i love catching <laughs> up with you guys Aww. so what i do as a visual development at nickelodeon okay so i've been at nickelodeon for like about seven months it's officially Mm. the longest gig i've had period Uh, that's insane for a while like the longest gig i had was uh, at paramount which is uh six months so yeah so my experience like with industry jobs is like it's pretty short i mean i am kind of just starting but yeah so this is my longest i got brought in as a generalist i started off doing like props and then like sets and then i got some like character assignments and uh, now i only do characters so i'm i'm like the only artist that does character work currently at least a full-time artist that does character work and um yeah, it's for a CG show called Max and the Midnights. It's based off a like comic book slash book series. Big Nate is actually our sister show and that one's out, but we're going for a slightly different look. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's awesome. And something I'm kind of curious about, because like I feel like when it comes to like 3D for TV, it can be like a little different versus like sometimes feature. You say you do kind of character designs. Like, how does the character designs that you do translate to 3D? Like, is it basically just doing your 2D drawings and like whoever is like making the rigs, like make it into 3D shape? Or do you kind of do call out textures for certain things on the designs? Like, how does that work out for Max of the Midnights? 
Yeah, so that's actually one of the more exciting things about this job is I've done a good amount of freelance before where they just ask for like concepts and not just I just giving them like 2D character concepts of mm. like usually based off a script. I'm usually brought in like pretty early. But with this show, because I'm like full time, I it's like the first time where I actually like get to pitch a design like do the packaging and then like see the 3D and we're still pretty early. So I haven't seen a character of mine be like fully realized where it's like, you know, textured, animated, lit. Like I'm so like looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. But as of now, I've only seen like 3D models of my 2D designs. And so far the process has been like, okay, we're wanting this sheep character that was one of the characters i had to design early on which is now like kind of like a main character in this show but yeah so they basically just ask like hey we're, we're looking for this character this is the personality i pitched some drawings some like exploratory for like shape language mm. and a little bit of like personality mm-hmm. and with this show i get like a good amount of notes even though like the schedule is pretty tight and yeah, it's just take those notes, do like a turnaround and yeah. do a texture call out. So I still have to do like painting. I still have to like render it. Oh, and expressions, expressions of the character. I send those out and then an external team models it. Mm. Then I get to like for that character, I had to like draw over it, like basically fixing the or, like helping improve the design in 3D. Mm, okay. So it's it's a fun like back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited to like see it like fully realized but that's basically what i do and because i'm like one of the only character designers on this show like there's a lot of characters on with all of them i don't get to i don't have the like luxury of time to do everything that i want which is like a lot of exploration uh like a good packet a good like rendered image and like Mm -hmm. awesome expressions like i wish i could do that for every character but sometimes it's just like Mm. i give them like two explorations Mm -hmm. of um, like shape design that i like and they usually like go with one and they go like straight into like packeting like turnarounds like figuring out like what the bottom of the feet you know front side back view mm. so packeting is like the technical side where the, like what you're saying is turnarounds like everything that you yeah, need yeah. to make the model okay got it yeah yeah exactly so it's like super technical um yeah like what the bottom and top of the shoe looks like mm. and that, those are usually just like black and white like line drawings mm-hmm. i do color them like just like flat colors to make it a bit more clear but those aren't like rendered or anything i think when i first started i like when i got a prop design yeah they basically had me like design a prop and i like rendered every angle <laughs> hey, uh, like yeah. front uh-huh. side and like that took too long and they're like yeah we don't need that uh, i'm like okay <laughs> But yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And like the team's great. So like just like being part of um, meetings where I get to see like everyone's work, like it really does feel like we're building something that we're, we're proud of versus like mm-hmm. when I'm doing freelance, it's very detached from like the project. And it feels like I helped a little, but there's not a lot of like ownership mm. of what you do mm. when you're like a freelancer, like only like communicating through email versus right now where literally your whole week is dedicated to this project Mm. you become a little bit more like attached a little bit more emotionally involved and less detached even though i do try my best to like not get emotionally connected to my art because there is a lot of feedback and sometimes it just gets like yeah we're not using that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a balance of like learning to like love the work you do but also not care if they say like hey we don't like this like Mm. we're giving this to someone else kind of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. that's kind of what i do on the current project so you've had a very kind of like unique animated journey as well what would you consider when you first broke into the animation industry yeah i actually don't know i i've thought about this before and i don't know if like i should consider when i first like got an internship mm. which was like kind of like third year of college at tongo house that was like the first time where i got to interact with like industry people quote unquote. Mm-hmm. and yeah i feel like i learned a lot and i got to like participate in a show which is on netflix right now so i don't know if i should consider that or if i should consider like my first like full-time job Mm. which was at osmo but i wasn't like a full-time employee i was just like a full-time contractor Mm. 
or like even at Paramount, I wasn't a full-time employee there either. I was just doing full-time hours. And like at Nick is where I really feel like a part of the industry where I'm like part of the animation guild. Mm. I don't know. It just feels like a bit more real versus my past experiences. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure when I consider maybe the internship because <laughs> I got to work on a project, even though it was like very, very brief. Yeah. I mean, like having internship experience is definitely a huge plus and people see that as like professional experience to to get you in the industry Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's true so maybe that yeah yeah and that was a unique i felt like i got super lucky because they like can't the way i got that was i'm talking about the tonga houses internship they came over to our school i was like our school's like graphic designer at the time and i was asked to do a poster for their presentation and yeah, I did the poster. I think like they took it back to their office. Yeah, I, I gave it to them. I asked if they wanted the poster. Or yeah, yeah. Ray, which is the president, gave it to them. And from what I know, they, they like saw it and they asked who did it. And my good friend Rebecca was interning at the time. He's like, oh, Uli did. Oh, yeah, Re- Rebecca Chan. We had her on before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's great. Check out her episode. Great episode. Yeah. One of our earliest. Episode three. Yes. Go back and listen. Yes. She's great. Yeah. Super, super good, too. She's like, oh, yeah, uh, Uli did it. And I don't know what happened, but like I get a message saying like they want to meet me at TTN. And mm. they met me kind of briefly and then like they offered me like an internship and i'm like hell yeah even though like i was like graphic designer and full-time student <laughs> and the commute would be like four hours uh-huh. of, like going there and back i still did it and i'm happy i did yeah yeah dude actually on that topic as well as like you've entered for taco house but you also entered for uber as like an art related intern how did those experiences kind of different from one another because i know taco house it's an actual animation studio and you were only there part-time but at uber it's a car app <laughs> where you get like a ride but you were there i think five days out of the week you were actually working 40 hours a week as an intern it was like a full-time job where i had to like go to the office yeah oh how did those two experiences differ like what were the beneficial experiences from each one or the differences however you want to approach this like right off the bat, like I was at Tonga House like twice a week and Uber, like I was living in San Francisco just for the summer, specifically for the internship. And I was like going into the office every day. Mm. I guess like one of the bigger differences was like at Tonga House, they really, it was like a nice transition between like professional and student, like half of the internship or maybe a bit more, like they, they gave us assignments. Mm. Have you guys ever taken the schoolism like dyson robert class that's been like up there for like years now they basically like gave us that in like in-person form which was awesome Mm. they had us do like master studies and like daily paintings Mm -hmm. like still lives from life kind of thing Mm -hmm. whereas uber it was definitely more corporate like i felt like i spent a lot of my time in meetings and they had like these notebooks that just like under supply area for free i like got one and i literally like drew my coworkers like mm-hmm. majority of those meetings so <laughs> what art did you even make though like what what art did uber need <laughs> yeah 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 oh yeah oh man i'm like reliving okay luckily like all of my coworkers that i got to like directly interact they're all like artists illustrators like artsy type which is really cool versus like my intern friends are all like tech and they would have like conversations of like coding and i'm like i can't contribute to this conversation <laughs> But, like, the kind of work that I would do is, like, very, like, illustrator-based. But because they knew, like, obviously my my portfolio at the time had, like, a lot of character designs and just, like, animation, like, typical stuff. There was a marketing project where they had me, like, do character designs and character explorations. So I still got to do, like, character stuff at Uber, even though, like, no one's going to see it. Because when I was there, they, they, like, laid off 400 employees. Wow. Damn. And that project got, like scrap yeah that was a unique experience like just going into the office and then like finding out that like 80 percent of my floor got laid off that morning right but none of my like illustrator friends did but yeah it was like interesting just to like be a little intern i think i was like the only intern in that floor and yeah i got to like experience the reality of like corporate like yeah (laughs) and i feel like anime i got to experience that little I mean, not like laying off 400, but animation is not too different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, these are like businesses and like shit happens, you know. Yeah. But yeah. And then in Tonga House, 
Like everyone was super friendly. There was the, the, like the studio. I was there when like the studio was like just starting to like grow. Yeah. Like they had just bought like an or gotten like a new like office area. Yeah, it was like very different, like less corporate and more like personal, which I liked. Yeah, it's kind of insane, like the difference between such a large corporate studio, like you're saying, versus this like. I mean, I would consider Tonko House like an indie studio, yeah. even though like mm-hmm. Robert and Dice have so much experience. Like mm-hmm. it's their startup, and like the fact that they were not only willing to, but like that they structured their internship to specifically grow mm-hmm. these students, these interns. That's like, yeah, I mean, they're making content with what little money they have, like as an indie studio. Yeah. But they're really setting aside time to yeah. train you guys, which is like longevity for your own career, even if you're not going to stay with Tonko House. That's like. Mm. that's insane to me like that's such a great thing yeah but like the fact that this small company who you would think doesn't have the resources to really expend on anything that's not necessary mm-hmm. is like really giving to these artists and giving to like the people working for them as opposed to this corporate <laughs> entity no, yeah. that like sticks you in a meeting for like half your time yeah and then lays off like 400 people yeah that's wild yeah, another big difference is the pay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because in an internship at Tonga House, it was an unpaid internship, but I didn't, I personally mm-hmm. did not mind because I felt like, kind of like what you were saying, Yuki, like they were giving us so much value. And like, even just like being at the studio, it was honestly like, yeah, I would do it again now kind of thing. Mm. Just learning from like top industry, like, Heroes like literally like so many people look up to Tyson Robert and to be able to like hang out with him and paint. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Wait, I just I just had a memory like when because <laughs> me and my friend Ferrari, who was um, the other intern that semester, Dice literally wanted us to see where our skill level was at. So he had us like paint this still life in front of him i was so nervous because i was like painting and here literally be like behind me like looking at what i was doing (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh god i hate this painting and he's like watching me like fail like in real time so anyways like yeah like you got to experience those those kind of things at the internship even though it was it wasn't unpaid yeah like you're saying i mean they basically gave you a schoolism course for free like yeah yeah that's kind of yeah that's a lot Mm mm-hmm Cause yeah, one of the things you mentioned is like uh, animation is actually different from like corporate, where like people can get laid off. I do remember you were also working for Netflix for their upcoming. I don't know if it's upcoming anymore, but the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like animated series. But I know that became a hiatus and like it hasn't picked up steam again. Like, is that what you kind of referencing to? Like, sometimes you could be working for a studio and then production just stops and like people just get laid off from that production. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's back on production. Mm. Oh, OK, but anyway, yeah, I got like hired at Netflix as a freelance like a full-time freelance artist. I think like not too long after I graduated, um, this was during COVID. So I was like working at my parents' house. But yeah, like I was there for like two to three weeks. And then like out of nowhere, they're like, hey, like this uh, project is on pause. And then like the next day I didn't have work. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they like gave me like two weeks pay after that. Yeah, severance. Mm-hmm. That was like another like instance where it's like, you need to be prepared Mm. like at any moment especially with both uh, uber and netflix like they didn't give you like a month notice like like kind of like a contract end date Mm -hmm. it was like literally like you go into work that morning and they tell you like hey something happened that's out of our control we no longer have work for you i mean at uber i didn't get affected but i got to see how other people's like potentially lives could have gotten like changed in like an instant yeah So, like, I think from, like, those two experiences, I've learned to, like, prepare for them. And the way I prepare for them is just to have, like, a good amount of, like, emergency fund that would, like, cover all of my expenses for, like, six months, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I just didn't want to be in a situation where, like, out of nowhere just like lose my job not because i was like a bad employee but because things happen mm-hmm. like with the netflix they just they were like working on stuff like on the higher end yeah that affected like everyone you know so things happen and it's just important to be prepared for those kind of things totally mm-hmm. 
even if your job doesn't suddenly end, I've definitely heard of industry professionals who are like extremely good artists, just not have work for like three, six months or something because like the project doesn't align with their style or like, you know, nobody's hiring during basically like December, January. Mm -hmm. Like there's months like that where it's really tough to find work. Mm -hmm. You got to be prepared for it. Yeah, luckily with like end dates, or at least they give you an idea of like, hey, you're going to end like around July or whatever. So you can plan Mm -hmm. for those, but you also got to plan for the unexpected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you've also done, you mentioned it before that you worked for Paramount. So you have experience working in feature at Paramount Animation as a visual development artist for their upcoming film, The Tiger's Apprentice. How was that experience working in feature? But also, how did that differ from what you do now? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I guess the biggest difference is that usually studios pour more money into your feature. So that means you get, I think in our industry, like money translates to time. Like you just have a bit more time to like finesse an assignment. I was an environment designer in that project. And yeah, I remember having like a good amount of time working on like one set versus mm. in TV. Like it's true what they say, like TV is like a lot more hype, hype. Um, yeah, fast paced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In TV, maybe you get like a week. And I honestly, because I want to do a good job, like I want to produce quality work in TV. A lot of the times I'm asking like, hey, is it okay if I turn this in like next week? And like luckily production is like super nice. And we're kind of like in the early stages of our project where we can afford to do that in tv right now mm. like give me a little bit more time like maybe a couple of days to like finish the way i wanted to finish where in paramount even though paramount it's a little bit more high pace i'm assuming or i've heard than like mm. disney feature or pixar where they really take their time into like developing whatever they need is my understanding paramount it is a little bit faster pace but it's not as fast as tv it's still longer than TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the main difference. But because they're both like 3D projects, like the work that I'm doing is kind of similar. So I guess between the two, did you prefer working in feature or do you like working in TV now? Obviously, the more time to do something, the better, like the less stress I am, the higher quality my assignments are. Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason, I think like feature is nicer in those terms but at least in my current project i really enjoy the team and the production Mm -hmm. like i don't feel super stressed about my deadlines where if i need like an extra day or two like they'll give it to me but i think if i had to choose just for like the ability to um spend more time on my work without feeling like too guilty i would choose feature Something that I, I guess I know behind the scenes about you is that like knowing you, you've been wanting to work for feature for so long and like you finally got the opportunity with Paramount. And I know TV wasn't never really your goal or endpoint, but it's something that you were open to and willing to do. Yeah. You like working more with 3D properties than 2D properties. Like, why is that? Why do you gravitate more towards like working on 3D versus 2D? Ooh, OK, that's easy. <laughs> OK, so when I was I think I was in school, I did a test for Cartoon Network mm. and Nickelodeon. They were both, no, I think Nickelodeon, I was already out of school, but they were both for character design jobs and they were 2D shows and they wanted their stuff like super clean line. Mm-hmm. And I realized during those tests that like, it's so stressful for me to be able to produce clean line drawings, oh. like crisp line drawings, like super smooth kind of thing. Right. Like that stresses me out so much. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much, but it definitely stresses me out. Whereas for 3D, I could turn in a turnaround or like a sketch with like imperfect lines, like almost sometimes even like zigzaggy. Yeah. But like you understand like the form and stuff and they could perfectly work with that line quality and or it could be like a little bit more rough. Mm -hmm. And I think for that reason, yeah, that's the reason. But I know that 2D, because it's it's 2D, you do really get to like push the character. Mm. Um, There's like less limitations. So that's a fun aspect. Like if I could like do roughs of like push poses, I feel like that would be really fun. But just having to clean them, it's it's, it's a little hard for me. (laughs) That's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that because your work is so stylized, you know, it's super pushed. And I think 3D is coming to that point where like getting stylized stuff in like the TV pipeline is like 
becoming more prevalent. But like before, you know, it was like you would only see that kind of stuff in like high end feature film where they had the budget to be like, oh, yeah, we made the like Jorge Gutierrez mouth, for example, where like mouth moves all along Mm. the face and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that technology is like kind of trickling down now. It's really impressive. Yeah, like for our current show, we're really trying to put, because ours is based off a pre-existing like designs, Mm -hmm. uh, like a graphic novel kind of book. So we're really trying to like capture that original likeness and expressions Mm. into our show. So they're like, we haven't finalized anything at this point, but we're wanting to do like really pushed, Mm -hmm. almost like 2D kind of expressions on a 3D model. Mm. So I'm like really looking forward to how that's going to look. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're really like trying to push the limitations of of expressions on our show. I hope we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So you work for Paramount. You we're currently working for Nickelodeon. But something that you also done plenty of before even starting at any of those two gigs was you have freelance for a multitude of different studios from like DreamWorks TV, Netflix, Disney, Warner Brothers, just to kind of name a few. What has it been like freelancing for like these different studios? Yeah, I mean, like, I've been super, super lucky that they come to me for early work. So most of these freelance gigs, they're like, hey, we're working on a new show. Sometimes they have, like, initial designs, but most of the time it's literally just, like, a script. It's like, hey, could you, like, just give us some explorations? And, yeah, I do. I I literally just, like, read the script, turn something in, give them ideas. And that's usually all that they want. They, like, don't ask for, like, turnarounds or any, like, production kind of work. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, that's like my opinion, like the more fun kind of work where you just literally get Mm -hmm. to explore and not have to worry about like the technical kind of side of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really like kind of almost like the blue sky phase. Yeah. Just like really throwing out ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But these these freelance gigs are kind of short. Except for Osmo, that one lasted quite a while where I got brought in as like just like initially start doing designs for them. But then... I got to help out on like more actual production work and more like stuff that was going to be in the final game kind of thing. More polished stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for those that don't know, like Osmo is a company that creates educational like games for like kids and mm-hmm. stuff or like their own programs. They have their own like little technology, right, where you can play their own games on it or is it just games that you can play on tablets anywhere? Yeah, I think they, they rely on like iPads and like fire things, but they like oh, okay. they have their own software where they it like recognizes physical objects and you're able to interact with digital stuff oh. using physical objects. Oh, neat. Yeah. So like going back to your freelance, though, you also did freelance while you were in school, right? Like while we were in school. Yeah. Yeah. For a bit. Yeah. Can you like talk about that a little bit? Because I think students get approached with like opportunities sometimes they don't really know what to do with it or like. I guess if you could have gone back and been like, oh, maybe I could have done this a little differently. What was that experience like freelancing as a student? Yeah. And then one quick thing to kind of add to that is like, and how did you take that experience and implement that to future freelance experiences down the road? Because again, when you're a student, you can make a lot of pitfalls when yeah. receiving your first freelance opportunity. Ooh, yeah. I mean, just kind of like doing freelance on top of school is just like adding more work to like work that you already have. The main difference is that like usually like the cool thing about school is that you could fail by like oh you like miss an assignment or like you turn in an assignment that you're not proud of and it's fine Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day it's school like like you're not doing this for anyone uh no one's like relying on your designs like there's no money like attached to like what you turn in Mm -hmm. so i would argue that like it's less stressful doing freelance and school at the same time but when you're like out in the real world because i've also done like freelance and full-time work Mm. this is my biggest advice because i've shot myself on the (laughs) foot and like hear me (laughs) out um so there was a point as we all know it's super like you get endorphins like there's a happy feeling saying yes to something when someone emails you and it's like hey you want to help out on this project like of course you want to say yes right Mm -hmm. Um, like you think like oh yeah more income like fun project people want me 
like people are reaching out like they want you right like you're like yeah 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 yeah. so it feels like kind of shitty like uh like say no basically but so there was a time where i was working full-time and then i was i regret this so much i was working (laughs) full-time and i accepted two freelance gigs so like i was basically working like three three projects and i shot myself in the foot where i was turning in work for all three of them that i was like not proud of like Mm -hmm. there was a point where i was like submitting stuff like sometimes like last minute where I felt kind of shitty about. And even though it was like I got those endorphins like saying like, yeah, I'll do it. Of course. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, I felt I had like a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. And sometimes I would like get so overwhelmed. I would like not even work mm. because it's like so it feels like such a huge task. And that gives me more anxiety because I don't I'm not completing the, yeah. the assignment. So it was just like. You can't really like go out with friends because then you'll feel guilty if you do go out. It's just like a recipe for not a fun time. Mm. So my advice is like learn how to say no if you already know like you have a full plate Mm. now. Because I experienced that where I felt really shitty about the work that I was turning in. Um, Now when I get reached out, it's easier for me to be like, hey, I can't. Even though I'm only doing like this full time gig. Mm. Because I say no, that means I could produce higher quality work on this full-time job that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I could relax without feeling guilty. Both things make me feel good versus, versus, you know, like turning in like shitty work because I'm, I didn't spend enough time on it or it was just like. Stretching yourself too thin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not to mention taking on more stuff than what you can handle can also lead to burnout a lot faster. Totally. Yeah, but I mean, learn that like like outside of school because things that I did turn in like did have some weight to it versus when I was freelancing mm. in school, it wasn't as bad. Mm. I feel like if you have the opportunity to freelance while you're in school, definitely do it mm. and do like a good job at it because a lot of the times, not a lot of times, but there is a possibility that a freelance gig could be like a gateway to like a full-time yeah or at least more work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's happened to me before where i finished that freelance gig and then like months later they like reach out to me again Mm -hmm. i think it's important to like have a good reputation with freelance work Mm -hmm. yeah when you're doing full-time work like just be cautious that it could like backfire like it did to me so Mm -hmm. one of the other things i also kind of want to get into and mention is that for those kind of going to art school like university pursuing an education in animation what advice would you give based on like your experience studying animation illustration at San Jose State University and like your experience in school? I mean, my advice is if you could afford it, like go to art school, mm. because I know they there's the argument that like, oh, you, you don't have to go to art school because you can literally learn anything online, which is true. I feel like a lot of the jobs that I got was because I was doing work outside of school. Like literally none of my assignments or like most of my assignments that were like turned in for school, like I never posted them online. Mm. So the recruiters never got to see my schoolwork except my my last year's work. But like school did provide a huge like social like network. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it helped out with like just meeting people. I mean, you mentioned earlier, like you met Tonko House from being at school, from being in that place. Yeah, They're yeah, like, exactly. hey, who's this person? Yeah. From participating in a club on campus in the animation club. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like being involved on campus, like definitely benefited me. I got to meet new people and people got to meet me. And I think in the end, like that really played a big role in like the opportunities I would get like down the line. Mm. I know that school, like it can feel like all about like the work that you do but at the same time like my advice is like put as much importance in like building those like healthy relationships with your peers because mm. they always say like you're going to be working with like the peers next to you kind of thing you know which is like to an extent true mm-hmm. yeah the one thing i do regret is uh multiple semesters where i think i only went to the gym like once <laughs> that whole semester (laughs) and that kind of goes back to like art is important and like having healthy relationship is important but also like your health is important luckily i didn't have any like common like health problem like like or like backache like Mm -hmm. arthritis as that was called yeah Yeah. carpal tunnel yeah i didn't have any of those but i do wish i like worked out more it would have given me like more Mm self-confidence i feel like it would probably give me more energy Mm -hmm. yeah i agree that, that would be my advice as well is like make time. I know art 
is important, but make time to build your like to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like just being healthy kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm currently working on now. Um, and I just wish I did it sooner. Before we get into the last question, I kinda wanna also get into is that how does your cultural background influence you as an artist and like how did you find your voice as an artist as well? I feel like I do try to incorporate it in my art, mostly because it gives me, I think, like a more interesting angle to like the kind of art that I make, especially because I get to like explore from like personal experiences and like just things that I could relate to. Well, how did you find your voice? Did it help you find your voice? Yeah, um, like I think that just comes down to like what you're interested in. Like I know there's like trends online and those those are fun. I personally don't do them very often. I usually just do what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that incorporates like my upbringing. Um, like in one of my college projects, I did it about a It was like a visit project about, it's called Macario, about a Hispanic uh, man who meets death. And that really interested me. So yeah, so I basically, I did projects based off what I like and past experiences. And I don't know, I think that's, that's how, I think just like my general interest just kind of influenced my voice in art. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made sense. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have talked about like, you have a really strong style or at least like in school, I was like, wow, Uli, it's like a really cool style that like nobody else is doing, like at least at our school. And it's not really something that's being taught. So mm-hmm. it was really interesting to me how like you had developed your own style or like voice or like way you like to draw things yeah oh um i feel like that kind of goes back to what you're interested in like i could give like specific examples like Mm. i feel like our school is very much like a concept art yeah kind of influence where it's like it's more like triple a like they encourage photo bashing like rendering yeah realistic proportions and i remember like looking at like a sci-fi painting which is like technically like amazing has like awesome lighting but it just didn't interest me like mm-hmm. it was, i found it boring mm-hmm. whereas i would look at like a really pushed like flat uh like cat character and like that like that shit would get me excited you know mm. so i like naturally i wanted to draw the really pushed fat cat mm-hmm. versus <laughs> a really rendered sci-fi scene with stick man in the foreground so, like, I guess the way my style and voice just kind of came to be is I just followed what I liked and didn't follow what was trending at the time mm. or what other people thought was cool. I did what I thought was cool. Mm. Period. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, man. Thank you. Very well put. I like the way you ended up describing that. Yeah. Thanks for talking about that. And thanks for, you know, joining us for this interview. My pleasure. Yeah. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to promote? I guess you guys could find me at Ulises Alvarado Llamas on Instagram. I haven't posted <laughs> because, you know, I'm trying to like live my life being healthy and trying to survive <laughs> work. But I mean, I want to start posting, so maybe I will. But yeah, you can find my old work there and hopefully some new stuff uh, coming up. Mm. That's such a huge shift from when we were in school. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Posting every other day. (laughs) I feel like Instagram played like a big role because I remember because I was getting like these likes, it would like push me. I know it's like sounds super like superficial or whatever, but I'm being like truthful right now. Like... um, (laughs) Because I was getting like this, am I using that word right? Endorphins? Like, yeah, you were getting like some free serotonin there. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, serotonin, whatever that molecule is. (laughs) I was getting that when I would like post and I'm like, okay, I want to draw more because I want to, I want to get that hit again, you know? Mm. So I feel like that was like a really productive time for me in school, like doing work outside of like assignments because. Because I saw people were liking it and um, I like doing it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like no one sees the work that I do and uh, I don't make time to do personal work. But hopefully that changes. <laughs> Did it become too much? Because at some points you were like, oh, this post isn't getting 500 no. likes. <laughs> I want to tell you. <laughs> I know. I would do that, that was like so funny. To me. Like, Holy shit, dude. Only 500. I would get so mad. I would be in the same room with him, like a desk away, because we lived together, and he would just be like, oh, I have to take this post down. It didn't reach 500. 
300 was the goal. Like, oh, this post got 300. It's a good post. But now it's like, oh, 300 is not good enough. It has to be 500. And your threshold just kept getting higher. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Like, I definitely went through the phase where I put my validation or my self-worth and, like, the amount of mm. attention I was getting online. And that is not a healthy relationship to social media. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a point where when I wasn't, like, posting, I would get, like, anxiety opening the app mm. uh, because I wasn't posting. I'm like, I don't want to feel shitty, like, just, like, opening up Instagram. So, luckily, like, I, I've stepped away from that. Yeah. And I feel like there might still be, like, some of that still in me. But I feel like I've learned to, like... Better manage it. Yeah. But, like, the thing about my Instagram, and I feel like this is important to say because I feel like I've gotten a lot of my opportunities because of my online presence, is I treat mm-hmm. my Instagram like a second portfolio, a more casual portfolio. So I don't post... There's a lot of work that I do that I don't ever show anyone because I feel like it's not quote unquote portfolio like ready, Mm. which is a good thing and a bad thing because of that. I'm not posting and sometimes I do like feel shitty like, oh, this work isn't good enough. I still get that. And I do wish sometimes I could like just post whatever I want. Mm. But I don't know. It's been a while. So I don't know how I would react to posting art again. I think you got a better handle on it. I'm glad that like you're just taking time for yourself and like you're not equating your worth on your social media presence. Yeah. Even though you have an mm-hmm. amazing social media presence, I'm glad that like you're able to finally recognize that because I just remember repeatedly telling you that all throughout college. <laughs> yeah, not healthy, but I feel like it's common. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And no, it, it very much is, but it's good to kind of put it out there like again. You don't have to put your worth in your social media. Mm-hmm. But as kind of we come to a close, is there any final advice you want to bestow on those wanting to pursue a career? Or was that the advice is like, don't put your self-worth in social media? I guess right now, I would say like while in school, just make sure you have a life outside of your work and like work out yeah, uh, or be healthy. <laughs> no, it sounds good. I mean, right now, just because like that's kind of what I'm prioritizing. Like, I really wish I did that in college, but it's fine. Dude, no, honestly, that's perfectly fine. We get a mixture of devices on this podcast. Some of it's art related, some of it's mentality related. And sometimes, dude, you just need to work on your own physical well-being. And that's yeah. a big part of it as well. Like things outside of you actually drawing and practicing perspective, whatever, can honestly benefit you more sometimes just being mentally healthy and, you know, experiencing life. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that, like, physical well-being part because, like, I think it was at CTN. There was, like, this artist that I had followed for a while and, like, their work was, like, super impressive. And he, like, was just, like, busting out millions of drawings, like, every day. And, like, when I met him, I was like, do you ever experience, like, trouble with, like, carpal tunnel or, like, you know, having sore, you know, joints and stuff like that. And he was like, no. And that was, he was, he didn't really give me any advice. But like, when I met him, I was like, dude, his arms are like jacked. <laughs> jacked oh, as dude. hell. Oh, he like, he God. like super, you know, muscular body or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course you don't. Because you're not just relying on like the tendons in your arm. Like you have an entire body supporting the rest of like the work that you're doing so you can draw like hundreds and thousands of drawings a day mm-hmm. like because you're healthy yeah <laughs> because you have a body <laughs> that can support that like i know yeah i remember in school we had like a blizzard presentation and like uh, jake mm. Pennyan. dude he has arms for days he has guns for like, days <laughs> like what like <laughs> Yeah, I walked into the front of the of the stage or whatever, and his work is like amazing. Like, mm. and he was like buff, and I'm like goals. I want to be like him, <laughs> dude. Right? So, so that's, that's that's my current uh, priority right now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Uli. We'll get Jack together. <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you audience enjoyed our interview with Uli, please rate and follow us on Anchor and Spotify or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. And if you have any suggestions for a future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love to discover new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to Edgar Arellano for editing this episode. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Bye.